0: Thanks for tuning in to the The Athletic Scholarship Scholarship Corporation Corporation Radio Network. Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.
1: Hey everybody. Anthony Hodell CEO of the Athletic Scholarship Corporation. Today, uh, you know, we're always about bringing good content. We have a pretty seasoned coach here today, John Butchko. Um, John, what's the, you know, give a little background on yourself. I know we know each other just through social and through the coaching rings, but if you want to give a little uh, 10,000 foot view of who you are and what's been going on.
2: All right. I'm a, I'm a Canton native and a Central Catholic graduate. I, I had a chance to play for for the great Lowell Kleinfelder at Central Catholic High School. Uh, bounced around a little bit in college, ended up at, at West Liberty University, uh, where I graduated from. And immediately after my time you know, was done playing and, and completing my education, I got into coaching uh, first back at Central Catholic, uh, then at the now defunct uh, Timken High School. Um, spent a little time in arena or indoor football, like the minor league version in, in Marion, Ohio, with an old teammate of mine. and. Uh, was was doing both the offensive coordinator job for a, a like the double-A ber- uh, baseball version of the Arena League and a, a very small high school, uh, Ridgedale High School in Marion County. Um, as we talked about before, I got out of coaching for a couple of years. I got back into it at Central Catholic and then Sandy Valley. And most recently I was the head football coach at Edgewood High School in Ashtabula. Um, so that is kind of a, a brief synopsis of my time in football. Um, you know, I've coached other sports a long way, but but none of them have really been, you know, the way that football has been, you know, in my career.
1: So we're really going to touch base today on this name image likeness. And it's so crazy because when I played in 92, I, you know, I, I did everything I could to, to stand out, including anabolic steroids. And, <laughs> you know, you gave my left arm to be even looked at. And today it's like, these kids are signing with helicopters announcing where they're going to college. It's just, a, it's totally different. And when I started this in 2004, it was a, an ancillary need to help my own kids that I was coaching back at one of my old high schools and it developed into a company. And then when I started signing high schools under contracts, it was a new thing. And, you know, I had Maslin, the Maryland, big schools across the country. A lot of coaches were, oh, this is snake oil. Kids don't need the help. If you're good enough, you'll be found. And then here we are. And I said, one day there's going to be a younger breed of technology, coaches that understand numbers and, and getting that tape out and having connections. But I never thought I'd see or talk about the day where a high school kid, because you remember when you played, and even when I played in 92, when I graduated, if we got a free pair of cleats you might get sanctioned and kicked out of Ohio (laughs) athletics. Now they're talking about, you know, paying these kids money under the name image likeness, which the college kids I get, they're making billions off these kids. So I kind of agree with that. But Ohio, as you know, and we we talked off record before they're getting ready to implement it where these kids can make money. Now it's probably going to be the one percenter. uh, If you, Mm -hmm. if you agree, but you know, there might be a kid that gets some local pizza shops, you know, some, some TV ads, um, you know, what's your take on that? And and know you're newer in this than I am. I've been out of it a little bit on the coaching side. Well, I think for high
2: school kids, you know, it is, it's a very small percentage. And I think I would have to guess without having too much hard information, you know, a lot of the people that are decision makers, Um, decided we don't want to see great athletes, uh, you know, leaving the state of Ohio to go play their high school sport somewhere else. You know, we've had, um, you know, I I think about coming through Northeast Ohio, all the great athletes I had a chance to see, you know, in my young years and in high school and in college. And, you know, to have them have have to go off to Florida or some other state, you know, because somebody down there is going to pay them some money and, and they couldn't, you know, provide for their family if the market said that. Um, I mean, I understand why it happens. I, I think, you know, it's probably going to be a fraction of a percent uh, of people here in the state of Ohio and and those college kids. I mean, you know, you're, you're learning things and especially in the major division one uh, level, all the money that they generate, you know, whatever they can get, you know, whenever they can get it. I think that the world has changed where that Probably makes a lot of sense, and and you know I'm I'm very happy for them. Not at all bitter uh, that I couldn't sign any nil nil deals <laughs> back on the hilltop. I don't know who would have hired you know a slow uh, wide receiver, but um, <laughs> you know I think anything that can anything that can put a little money in these young people's hands and teach them you know some of the important things about you know generating a business and and some of the financial parts of it um, certainly. I think are good steps. And and I, again, selfishly, because I live in the state of Ohio, you know, I don't want to see great athletes leaving our state, you know, to go somewhere else that could take care of them um, in a different way. Uh, I, I just, you know, my 13 year old daughter, there's an exceptional basketball player in the Akron area right now. Uh, he's got 24 or 25 division one offers mm-hmm. and for her 13th birthday, all we wanted to do was go and watch him play uh, in a tournament game. And she took her picture with him and it, you swear she met an NBA star. So mm-hmm. to see a young man like that, and, and I, you know, I follow kind of his stuff. I won't mention his name, just to keep it from being weird, but, um, you know, to see a young man like that flirting with, you know, out of state opportunities, maybe this keeps a, a, what's a very talented athlete in our state.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's really different. And I think, um, you know, the NCAA is losing a lot of control that they had. Um, It's just going to be different and it's going to change every year. We're going to see more and more of of the commerce take over this process and it's more competitive than ever. And now a lot of parents are coming to our organization and going, you know, forget just the recruiting part. We're looking for deals too. And it's, you know, I always tell our clients, You know we're not magicians. At the end of the day, we're going to take the feedback from the coach. We're going to look at the tape. We're going to look at the height, weight, speed, the grades, which is crucial. It's a lot easier to get a kid placed when they have great grades. They get better opportunities. There's a lot of money academically that's veiled as football money, and there's a lot of different angles. Um, What's your take on recruiting services? Since you're, you know, I'm almost curbing fifty another year, I just hit 49. And I've seen, you know, I've been through it myself back where it was VHS tapes, I had to stack VHS, you know, recorders and jump them and record 10. And I'm sitting in my coach's office all day. And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm making recruiting tapes. And it cost me literally back then 10 $15 in mail to send it out to each school. And I I sent it to everybody. I was like, somebody's (laughs) gonna look at it. What's your, you know, your take on and I actually dealt with your previous coach in in a lot of a lot of kids he's a great guy uh, by the way so um oh he's the best <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's special he's old school but he's special and, and for him to embrace what we were doing was pretty and that's how i remember him because he's old school back then yeah and and he's like this is the way it's going to be and he got oh, yeah. it um and and more guys are getting on board with it you know, not just huddle. That's great you put your tape up and a lot of kids think Twitter is going to find a deal for them but that's just a way to to preserve or stream your film you've got to connect still and that's something that you know we actually do with custom websites and stuff that you see now you actually commented yeah. on a few but um, what's your take on on that change on that recruiting process.
2: Well, first of all, I don't think we we hit it enough. You know, Coach, they always talk about great businessmen can see around corners. And and I tell people all the time, you know, great as great a football coach as Coach Kleinfelder was, he's an even better human being and a – probably the smartest person I've ever had a conversation with. I mean, dude is a literal walking, talking genius. And, uh, you know, I'm forever indebted to him. And I, I wouldn't feel right if I didn't say that first. Um, but certainly, you know, back to that, I was at the edge of that era. You know, the, the very tail end of that era as a player. Uh, my transfer opportunities in college were were more about the relationships. You know, the Internet had gotten big. and And now, I mean, with social media, I mean, it's almost hard to make contact with the college program on your own. I know that last spring, you know, when COVID changed a lot of things in education, changed a lot of things in sports. I don't know how many of them were for the better, or for the worse. And I, I think a lot of the data is still out about that, but what we did, or at least what we did when, you know, as I was still a, a head coach back then was, you know, I had a group of people, a, a group of, you know, students that would come in during their study halls. You know, some of them, maybe dated a couple of our players, you know, we did it probably as grassroots as you could do it, but we found every recruiting, you know, coordinator of, of division, you know, FBS of FCS division two and division three. And we found just every person that had that title. And if we didn't, they had a recruiting email and we tried to make contact those, you know, those ways and, and, you know, just pepper them with emails. And, you know, we had a, we had a very uh, talented football player that was an underclassman, you know, in my years at Edgewood and, um, you know, to see how it had changed, you know, uh, whether it was a text from a college coach or, you know, everybody gets mail, you know, once you make a postseason um, team. But to make contact with an actual coach is getting, I think it's getting tougher the more avenues that there are. And you really had better work on those relationships and, and without a chance to get face to face, you know, through a coach's clinic or through anything like that. Um, it was really, really a challenge. But But what we did you know, organically was we found all of those people, you know, we sent emails, I'd say probably 35 or 40% ever responded to us. We got on a ton of mailing lists, but actual, you know, responses and coming into our building, we had a few more people, you know, scholarship level people that don't, um, too often come out here to Ashtabula County, um, And I I think we had maybe established some momentum, Um, you know, now that that's over, you know, I don't, I don't have any idea, you know, what it'll look like the next time I get a chance to do it. But uh, certainly, um, you know, from back to the college prospects of America days, which were sending (laughs) me letters back in, in the high school, in the high school days to what it is now. I mean, it's become a a thing that's probably even more important um, than what's on the film. I mean, that you have the wherewithal and the, the the people with the connections to help you get into contact. And I was always worried what's happening was going to happen. You know, there'd be a traffic jam in the NCAA. And I think we're going to see very good football players that most years would play in the Mac or would play at Youngstown State. They're going to be stuck in division two or three because there's a traffic jam of eligibility in the transfer portal, which all those things are great. And I I know the percentages aren't very favorable of entering the transfer portal. But you're going to see some very, very quality football players go to places they otherwise wouldn't go.
1: Yeah, I agree totally because a lot of programs that are high are going to take, you know, especially when a coach is on the fence at the college level, I'm going to take a flyer on a kid from a Juco, or maybe they had a problem at the one school, but they're so talented, I'm going to take a flyer instead of bringing in a freshman. I'm going to do that transfer and and roll the dice on it. But you're right, the numbers on the transfer portal is pretty abysmal. It's, A lot of thousands of kids that entered don't continue. Um, And and the problem is a lot of today's athletes and it's just society. We're instant gratification. If we don't play right away or we don't like something, we're going to just change it. And there's a lot of downside to that, that, you know, parents don't want to hear or don't want to listen to, or kids don't want to listen to that. Sometimes most times you got to gut it out where you're at. You know, the days like when you played or when I played, you were a freshman, you were, you were getting beat up, you were carrying equipment, you were, and you were a rookie and you, you know, you were called rookie and now it's, it's just so different. And I talked to a lot of coaches that are getting at the age of retirement and they're literally saying, I don't want to coach anymore because it's so different. I'm so connected that I have parents emailing me, texting me when I'm trying to coach or decisions, questioning everything I do. And that university doesn't really, some of them don't support those coaches and, and those Issues, you know, they're too accessible. And, and back to recruiting, what you're talking about, a lot of those email addresses that you see on the recruiting website, football at yale.edu, is not really the football coach. It's yeah. a compliance office or it's some graduate assistants basically saying, oh, here's another person. Let's send them a questionnaire. And I deal with it with our own clients. They don't answer a college coach's phone call. And I talk to the parent and say, well, how many calls did you get? Oh, you got like 12 D ones and some emails and some texts and some phone calls. Well, what did you do with those? I don't know what, what he, or he or she's doing. I, I, we'll figure it out. I'm like, you have to respectfully answer, reply, oh. embrace, because those coaches change positions they go to different schools. And the mistake a lot of kids make, and you've seen it, hold out for D1, don't have a plan B, don't account for injury, don't count for getting overlooked. And then they're coming back to you going, what are you going to do for me? You know, that's the expectation. Well, and I told, you
2: know, and, and, different athletes that I've worked with here recently, you know, different personal situations, you know, you you have, a, I guess, a a better than average look at what the family looks like. And I would just flat out tell some of them that maybe are approaching graduation time right now, um, you know, think about a prep school, think about a JUCO, you got to let that traffic jam get away from you. You have to let that eligibility work itself out. And, And I think that we'll probably see You know, a a much higher quality game at at the prep school level where it doesn't count against the NCAA or even at the JUCO level, which I know some states like California, because I think the Hilltop recruited uh, every last JUCO there was in California (laughs) so much they called us the West Covina Hilltoppers but, um, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, probably a higher quality of play at those levels. because of some of the things that are going on. But, uh, you know, I, I know that there's a very small percentage of recruited athletes that can not answer the phone or not respond to a text. And right. I mean, you better be a five star, you better be a blue chipper, you know, your, your face and name better be all over ESPN, or else you you had better make time uh, for those phone calls. And and this thing about, you know, the, a lot of, I mean, I would call players that I coached, you know, and they get back to you. Let the voicemail screen it. And hey, like this is like a job. And and if you have a boss and and he calls you, there better be a good reason you didn't answer the phone. And um, you know, I, I think that uh, that thing coupled with the access. I mean, I know what it's like to coach in a high school as as things move now and and those kids move on to college. And it's it's a lot of questions that I can probably put good money on people weren't answering 15 years ago or 10 years ago or or the just the volume of them and i mean it's it's things you would never consider so uh, you take that to the next level where they're not teachers during the day where they're not you know working another job during the day and that's all they do I, i can't imagine they're going to be very patient for very long
1: right yeah and i i deal with some kids right now and and they're kind of a tweener and i'm I'm pushing the envelope. I've worked years to build that relationship. And there's dialogue where I actually say, "Hey, coach, I know I'm pushing the envelope. He's a five, nine, 220 pound linebacker. You know, he plays the mic, but watch the tape. He's playing against Xavier, 300 pound lineman, folding them up like lawn chairs, sideline to sideline speed. I mean, just, just stuff you can't teach that you see at another level. And you, you know, you're pushing it when you reach out to Syracuse or even Akron. These kids are huge and fast and it, it's a different world. So when you're that five, nine, 185 pound linebacker and you play at Ignatius, yes, there is a, a value to that or Maslin's or, but we're still pushing the envelope because there's another kid that's six three, two forty, 240 doing the same thing. And I, I see some kids that we really push the envelope and they get Youngstown State or they get a Toledo and they just ignore it because it's not Ohio State. And I'm going, you just really pissed away an opportunity and you don't even know it yet. And the young me goes, I've been there, done it. I had that arrogance. And, and you know there's nothing you could say or do to change that. And and unfortunately, you live with these kids and these parents. So a lot of them, when I deal with it on the back end as as being the marketing person, I'm like, your coach is trying everything they can. All your coach can do is take the phone call when a, co- a college coach calls and tell the truth about your son or daughter. And maybe there's some baggage or there's an issue or there's some things you got to work on. And it's a hard conversation because I'm sure like every coach, we all want to see these kids go on, but you also don't want to burn your bridges because you're going to continue to coach for a long time and you're going to be dealing with these coaches at the college level.
2: Without a doubt. I mean, you know, those things coming from, you know, you mentioned playing in a great program and and playing against great competition. That's something that was the reality of my time, uh, probably as an athlete. You know, you look down our schedule, we played, you know, really good teams. We had very good opponents. Uh, And, uh, you know, probably your numbers weren't, you know, if you went to school, maybe somewhere else. But, you know, when you got to college, the shock wasn't as severe. You know, I, I mean, I, I went against good people for 10 straight games for the most part. So seeing a good upperclassman in, in college practice, that's that's not that severe when maybe you play somewhere else and, and you play on the best team in a in a middle of the road or worst conference. Um, you know, I, I think that as I look back and think back to my time as a player, those were the guys that, that really struggled. Those were the guys that um you know, maybe had a tough time adjusting, not that all of them didn't adjust, but they, it seemed to take them a little bit longer on that, on that curve. And, you know, I, I tell any athletes that will listen, whether I've coached them or, you know, we have a passing conversation and they do a really neat thing up here where, um, you know, they time all the athletes in the County, do a little combine type of thing. A, A local podcast puts that on. So I got to meet, you know, a lot of the area players last summer and I would tell them all the same thing. Hey, there's great football played everywhere. You know, the, there's great football played in Division three. There's great football played in Division two and on up. Um, you know, I, I don't think until you stand there and watch a practice or watch a game, you know, and, and you're probably on the sideline as you would be in a recruiting thing, just how big and fast those people are. And and the people you see at Florida State, Ohio State, you know, all the all the blue bloods. I mean, those are the winners of the genetic lottery. I mean, you can you <laughs> can tell those guys for the most part when they walk in the building like you know, that guy, that guy is different. You know, that guy was made a little different than the rest of us. Um, but there's, there's no shame in, um, you know, playing in the, playing in the mid American conference or playing in the FCS and, you know, the best athlete I ever played with who happened to be my best friend, you know, highly recruited two time all Ohio. And he ended up at the university of Buffalo and, you know, he's parlayed that into a great life and he's now a doctor and he's actually their doctor. So, uh, That's a you know that's still a pretty good opportunity. I don't think that's one we'd want to let pass by.
1: That's leveraging everything. That's what you're supposed to do. It's just a door open and you got to walk through it. Um, You know, and I actually dealt with one of your teammates, and I'm trying to remember his name. He was going to Columbia. Big, big lineman, big linebacker. I'll I'll remember his name when we talk again off (laughs) record. But okay, um, I remember being in your coach's office and he was like, this is the way things are going to be. And I'm looking around his office and it was a dark dungeon. I remember it. I I, I mean, I'm going, you know, this guy's already 70, you know, back then. And it's got a light bulb hanging and a bunch of paperwork. And he goes, this is the way the world's going to be. And I I said, Oh, you got it, you know? And um, you know, it's about leveraging. It's Cecil shorts. And it's a guy I dealt with personally. And Mm -hmm. you see them go to, to Mount union and, you know, lights it up, has a nice career in the NFL and, you know, just like myself, like you were talking about, you, you know, I thought I was great. You know, I was in a prep all American guide, all that great stuff. I get to our all-star game practice and I go, oh, everybody around me, my backup's just as good. And then you get into the all-star game and you're getting hit by the corner and you're, you know, you're going, wait a minute, I'm a I'm a center right now. Why is a corner hitting me? And then you go to college and you realize the third string guy behind you is just as good. You know, and you go to, you know, and then I went to BW and you look at guys and they're maybe an inch off or a step too slow. There's just one thing missing in that genetic lottery you talk about, but they actually play balls out and hit you. They'll smack you in the mouth every play where I played against talented guys and they'll take a play off. Some of these guys will not take a play off.
2: Oh, they'll keep coming at you. And, you know, my uncle was an all American in the OAC at Capitol. Uh, and he, I was just a little kid, you know, he was my, I didn't have any idea there was Ohio state or Michigan or anything like that. Right. And like the greatest thrills of my life was going to watch my uncle play football when I was just wee little. And, and he was like that, you know, probably, probably two inches too short and two steps too slow, but he ended up being an all American and a hall of famer down there. So that was, you know, that was probably something I took as uh as a fact from the time I could walk and, and probably had the, the Browns, you know, Hutch football helmet on, you know, my uncle, you know, could do it. And I wanted to do what he did. And, and he ended up being, you know, a much better athlete than I was uh, or having a much better career. and, And it was those things he was just consistent. And, you know, I think he led the team in tackles like his final three years and, and he just, he would go balls to the wall. He's crazy and he's the quietest guy off the field. And, um, you know, so I learned a lot about the work and and uh, the things it takes to be successful, probably from watching what was the equivalent of my much older brother, you know, come home on the breaks and, and go and practice. And and I, I think that picture stayed clear in my mind until, you know, it was time for me to go and do it. And, uh, you know, again, I wasn't probably on the fringe of any All-American teams as a player, but like you talked about, I was relentless. You know, I, I, I was just barely good enough to crack the lineup so like I had to be you know near the top of my performance at every snap um you know in some really good situations and you know the we crossed you know paths with some guys at different stops along the way that maybe played professionally in some place or another and you know you just realize very quickly that that those guys are different you know those guys are you know they're 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 a lot different than you are and um You know, I think that's probably hard for somebody that's very decorated coming out of high school right now. And you talked about before in the instant gratification world where everything's on Twitter and everything's for, you know, Instagram or your huddle highlights are up before you ever have film and meetings as a team. You know, they want to make sure that that's their version of the newspaper and they've got it out there for their friends to see and how many likes they got, you know. Keep tabs on some guy, and they met in a camp or somewhere across the state, or you know whatever else the deal is, and um, you know that's that's really becoming uh, the way of the future. And I, I don't know that that's always the best for your development as an athlete. You know, I, I think I learned a lot from the times I wasn't able to crack the lineup, or the times I was, you know, just outside of the playing rotation on the outside. You know, I think those were valuable lessons. You know, and, and very instrumental in my development as a player, and then. Um, helped me as a coach.
1: Looking back at oh, yeah. your younger yeah. self, what, um, what would you change? I mean, we, we talked about work ethic and, and you, you knew at a young age that I, I got to go out every play looking back, what would you, what would you change you know, well, being smarter?
2: Well, I think, you know, I, I was right at the kind of the transition time of the weight room, you know, everybody was doing BSF and now you have all the different things that they do. And, you know, weightlifting was important in the nineties, but it's not quite at the level it is right now. So I definitely would have prepared myself better. Although, you know, they did a pretty good job at central Catholic of making sure that happened. Um, I definitely would have, you know, continued to push the envelope there a little bit better and then all the technique work that kids do now i mean i know they have access to youtube and that wasn't even a thought yet but certainly watching as much film as i could you know film was really hard to come by when i was an athlete and that's mm-hmm. that's nobody's fault that's just how the world
1: was yeah and, one uh, person had a tape that was it yeah
2: one person had, i you know i remember being a freshman in college and we had some film of the san diego chargers like one-on-ones and, and we watched that i think man we watched that probably 500 times and Um, so I think like those kind of things that, you know, the mental preparation side and then the physical preparation side, you know, the, the plan is going to be the plan however it goes. And, um, but the things you can do to make sure that, you know, you're as prepared as you can be. Um, I, th- I think I took some things for granted too. You know, we were really good my sophomore year. If you ask, you know, Mars Porcello over at Wickliffe, he was the quarterback. We bumped into him in the playoffs. He said we flipped the film on, said this team could win the whole thing, and we get knocked out in the second round. And I, I played like a central role in that game, you know, in relief of the starting quarterback. And then I remember thinking on the bus on the way home, I got two more years of doing this. You know, we'll get back, we'll win it. You know, one year and we never got back to the postseason and then they go and win it my freshman year of college, which I mean, good for them. But man, I would have liked to have a state championship. <laughs> ring. You know, that would have been great, especially yeah. being young for being a freshman in college. So I, I think like I would have prepared a lot better. And, and, you know, I think if you ask anybody that's played for any teams that I've coached, like I'm a stickler about some of the preparation stuff and they don't quite understand it. Uh, but that's that's lessons I think I had to learn the hard way.
1: It's a, a fundamental game and, and that's the way I always coached. If you could do five plays right and, and we put different sets and variations, you're going to win football games because it's, you know, it's a game of, of inches and 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 the little things matter in, the, in that game. You know, it's not an individual sport. Um, looking at recruiting, just your experience in, in you know, parents that are listening and even athletes, what's your top three things of advice that college coaches are looking for that you consistently remember this just sticks out. And and obviously I know that answer, but I I think, you know, they've heard it from me a million times for 18 years.
2: (laughs) Well, I think like, the biggest thing you hear especially the, the the division one guys you know the major division one guys say right now is they have to try to figure out if an athlete loves football or loves what football brings them or and you can apply that to any sport but do they love what they're doing or do they like what they get as a result of being very good at it so i, I think that's a decision you can only make in the mirror do i love what i'm doing or do i just like the the rewards that maybe aren't even all that time expensive. Um, secondly, you know, what kind of students you are. I mean, that you know, I can't tell you how many people have walked in here and said, well, we'd love to recruit him. You know, his ACT is half of what we take. His GPA is half of what we take. Uh, he's a very good football player. He's going to make somebody very happy, but we can't touch him. Um, and then thirdly, you know, how does he work? You know, does he is he the first one in the gym? Does he skip workouts, you know, go hide on the JV bowling team to not lift weights? Because I've had guys do that before. <laughs> you know, we had an offensive lineman in my first stop as the head coach that he went out for the JV bowling team because they practiced at the same time we had weights Man. and he could miss weights, you know, in the end of his sophomore year. And he was a big kid and, and probably would have been a very good football player you know, had he devoted a little bit more time to it. So, you know, those are some of the questions or some of the things that I think have come around. And, um, you know, those are, they always, I think I remember being asked quite a bit too, do I think he's going to grow or how has he grown? How does he treat his teachers? How does he treat his mother? You know, that's, those are always the same series of questions and, you know, girlfriend, what's the girlfriend situation? You know, well, that's the- a deal breaker.
1: Girlfriends, <laughs> they a deal breaker. I have coaches ask all the time. And in our intake interview, we don't take everybody. One of the first questions is what's going on with the girlfriend? Because if somebody calls and you live in Ohio and they're a Texas school, you know, what are you going to do? And you and I both know that a lot of deals are lost in the last minute where kids says, you know, I can't leave her and she's my forever. And then it's, you know, they're broken up when she goes to college. <laughs> so <laughs> that, I've seen some is. stuff I've seen, I've, I've heard some tears, you know, and, and you try to tell them, you know, I get it. It's hard. Um, but you need to, you know, make a decision for yourself and that the person will be there if it's meant to be and, and go play, you know, uh, football, go to college and, and, you know, get your education. Well, that's,
2: and that's one of the first things I tell my own daughter, you know, she's 13 years old. And and I think like, culturally, not just, you know, here where we are, but where we are here in 2022. Everybody's looking for, you know, their moments of social media hype. So we see kids really, really young, you know, starting to date and form their identity off another person. I tell my daughter all the time, you know, if you want to go out with a boy, that's fine. But if the second we're starting to base our identity off of being this kid over here is girlfriend like dad's shutting it down and uh you know bless her heart she she takes that and runs with it but you know the converse of that is true you know i, I see you know some guys and 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 I can't fault them you know i, I i'm a parent so clearly i at least had one person that liked me at one point in my life. um, (laughs) But, you know, you know, there's a big world out there. And I I tell our, I would tell players that all the time, whether we were here or anywhere else, you know, there's a big world outside of where we are right now. You you owe it to yourself to go and see it. Mm -hmm. And, and in some situations, you know, you go away for four or five years and and get educated. You come back, you can be the mayor. And that's something I explicitly remember telling a, a, a very recent student athlete of mine, you know, you're, you have all the tools. You go away, play a little ball, get your education, have that be a vehicle for you. You come back, you know, with everything that you've got going on. You'll be the mayor of this place by the time you're thirty. And I don't think he ever believed me, but that was the truth. I was, still believe that.
1: Was the kid? Did he become a good bowler? I don't think he did you know he's, a, he's, a, he's
2: older now this is my first time as the head coach he uh he's a mailman now so I don't think he ever got with the PBA he I just saw him not very long ago um but he's he's a mailman now we, we talked about that and we talked about some of the other funny times but boy that one had me all fired up for a long time
1: yeah that, that's that's awesome you'd think you know he'd be on the track team or something do something else but um you know, in, in kind of closing this, and I appreciate your time greatly. And and it's always great to get you know another perspective on something that doesn't seem to be so appealing to a lot of people. You know, it's it's only so many spins you can put on this this process. So I appreciate the the feedback and looking through your lens. But on kind of a final moment, what's your championship moment as a, as a coach, where you just go back and 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 you know, me personally, it wasn't a winning season. It was you know, how many kids did we get in college and then actually hatched the company because it, people knew in the community and that people are starting to transfer. And, and that was, you know, for me, really, really important. But what was your championship moment that you just go, man, this is, how am I going to top this one?
2: Well, I, I think it was probably in year two during the Edgewood years, you know, we beat Lakeside, who we hadn't done all that well against, you know, historically. You know, it was at home, a little bit of snow. So there's a little bit of romance about it. You know, uh, Lakeside's coach and myself have become very good friends. And, you know, just how proud I remember everybody being very excited, you know, to hold the traveling trophy. Um, I remember, you know, a lot of our upperclassmen. We ch- I, that was at the end of a three-week challenge. We said, you know, you got 21 days. We're going to let it all hang out for 21 days. We went two and one in that in that period, and uh, you know, played some of our best football. So I think that was probably it. You go back to the end of the 2019 season. Um, again, you know, little snow, little mud, just like you do in the backyard. It's it's crazy cold, and and we go and and we beat the guys we're probably not ever supposed to beat. And, you know, they're they're a bigger school. You know, they probably get um, the first run of the athletes. But I I think that one probably sticks out, you know, a great deal uh, just because of everything that that meant to our community and um, everything that that meant to the people around me. And it really gave us some great momentum. You know, had COVID not hit, you know, you sit there and you think, you know, man what what could have been because you know we had guys in the weight room at 6 a.m after that we had a a great core group of guys coming back uh a quarterback that would eventually you know set every record there is for throwing the ball and i mean covid happens and all that comes to a screeching halt and then we you got to pick up the ball and go during the 2020 season so um that one like i said that one all that one sticks out pretty pretty well
1: yeah, I can't imagine coaching during that. And, you know, obviously on our end, we actually shut down because we ethically just did not have a clue on what money's earmarked, what's going on. The NCAA didn't know. So we shut down effectively because it's really hard to, to you know, sit on a Zoom call or in somebody's living room. And, you know, especially with COVID, we weren't in living rooms, but, it, you know, with any type of integrity to be able to put a student athlete in front of every college coach when the college coaches, you know, what the heck's going on. Uh, you know, everybody was hostage, you know, they were shutting down programs. So, well,
2: and I think if there's one thing that's going to be the lasting thing of COVID, you know, to high school football and to, to, to high school athletics, it's going to be the gap between the haves and the have nots has really grown. You know, you talk about being at Maslin, you know, along 90 we've got like Kirtland who's done very well and men are uh, over this way. And it's like, they didn't skip a beat. You right. know, and I'm not I'm not accusing them of doing anything wrong because you do what you got to do for your kids. Um, you know, and, and in a place like where I was, you know, there was different rules in Ashtabula County and there was different, you know, what's important. And that's nobody's fault. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, as honest as I can, that's nobody's fault. But I think that gap, you know, where, where people are getting a lot out of it. And people maybe aren't getting as much out of it. That gap got wider than it's ever been before. And if you're on the backside of that gap, you really have um, you really have your work cut out for you going forward.
1: Right. I mean, one of our staples with Maslin, and you, you hit the nail on the head when we first were brought in and was there for seven years, was our school is all about football. And either our kids go big time, Ohio State, or they stay local and they don't want to get out of the community, and they all go to Mount and mortgage themselves to death. So, you know, our value add was we're going to put them everywhere. If they're JUCO, they're going JUCO. If they're NAIA, we're going to, you know, work with them through this process, take the weight off the coach. And what we found was it was no longer a football. There's press releases about it where it's no longer a football king school. It's soccer players are going somewhere. You know, girls are going tennis. They're going across the country. So they have more opportunities. But you're right. A lot of schools like Menor Ignatius, they just kept going business as usual because it's a staple for them. It runs their whole, you know, ecosystem, you know, mentors run on their football program. Absolutely. Uh, and and Absolutely. It's financial and, everything.
2: And you talked about Maslin, and that, and that makes me feel so good because you know, I'm a, I'm a Maslin St. Mary's graduate uh, from grade school. You know, I spent a lot of my time on the Northeast side of Matt. So a lot of them guys uh, that maybe are a little bit older that you bump into that I can, I can picture a couple in the Mount union parable that you just used um you know, they they were very good athletes, you know, I mean, I knew them coming all the way up, I played against them every week, every year that you could. And, you know, I, I, I felt bad, you know, almost a little even guilty as I was seeking out other options. And, and they didn't have that chance, you know, back probably before your relationship with them formed. But, you know, I, I'm glad to see kids from Stark County, kids from, you know, my home area, just like kids and aren't from where I came up, you know, get a chance to go on and do what was one of the best Uh, best situations in my life. And I just went to our spring game um, at West Liberty last Thursday, bumped into a few old teammates. Some were coaching there. Others are sprinkled all throughout, you know, Ohio and West Virginia and Pennsylvania. And we all come back because it was such a great time in our lives. And and I think any athlete that can do it, that it's financially or or physically feasible to do it, man, please go try. Like it's something that, you know, you, you really learn if you love it quickly or not but if you do love it, you'll, you'll never regret this.
1: Well, a lot of the stigma with, with like Massillon and was the facility difference when a kid goes on a visit and it's a small division one or a two or, or, you know, so be it a division three. And the facility is not even as, half as nice as Massillon. You know, you got one of the best high school facilities in history, obviously a staple of history, culture, and program, but the kid's, I'll just go to Mount because it's, it's a similar match. And then they get their bill and go, Oh, you know, I got to pay these loans off. And, yeah. you know, that was the hardest thing for me personally to try to overcome being hands-on coaching at that school was just trying to prepare them that it's not going to be like this. It's going to look different. Um, and a lot of kids just couldn't make that transition. And some of those same kids still live in Massillon oh, and, and, <laughs> and they're not, they're not working, they're not doing anything. And you go, what, what are you doing? You know? And, Actually, I have a friend that I played arena with that went to West Liberty, uh, Steve Smith. He broke a ton of receiving records there. He's definitely on the board somewhere. <laughs> he uh, must have
2: been before
1: me. He, oh, yeah, he's uh, before you. Know, you. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's my age. He's 49. So um, he played at, oh, he, he played with, uh, if it helps, Woodson, same high school. Oh, Fremont Ross. Yeah, he went to Fremont okay. Ross. And then he went to West Liberty and um, lit it up. I mean, the guy was just talented. Same story. 5'8". You know, was not a combine guy, mm-hmm. but ran precise routes, was disciplined, blocked, had sure hands, was just a possession guy. Was he going to get separation? Was he going to light it up? Absolutely not. But if you needed first down, you knew who was getting it and, and nobody could stop him. And there's just a lot of great players and, um, you know, there's great coaches. And, and I'm glad to see the gap start to between our business and, and coaches are starting to collaborate and saying, hey, this is actually working. Um, I can see what schools are doing what I mean, there's just a lot with technology that, you know, coaches just don't have time, you guys are, you know, you're, you're a father, you're a teacher, you know, you're, you're, you're a son, you're a brother, you know, I mean, it, it's just, there's only so many hours in a day and, and parents just have to take a little more ownership. And it doesn't mean hire us or pay or just take some more ownership and, and pick up the phone and, and do some sweat equity. And don't, you know, put it in everybody else's lap. So.
2: Well, and that's what I always think. And, and, you know, I tell people like in my personal life, what, what should I do? The school wants to talk to me. Like you're never out anything by going and looking, even okay. if you don't sign anything, you just go see what it looks like. And, and there's, there's, I was pretty fortunate to come through Central Catholic High School while, you know, growing up where I did, I got to see that there was a people that lived all kinds of different ways. And if you didn't come from a school situation the way that I did the only place you're going to see that is in college that you know there's people that you know have a BMW when they're 18. There's people that you know that that tuition checks could clear five times you know when your parents (laughs) probably are you know waiting tables or doing lord knows what else to help get extra money um you know and and I think I always tell people what I learned and I learned it in high school by going to, by going to school where I did that I saw like how winners lived. I saw how people that, you know, are a lot of our bosses and a lot of people that sign our checks lived. And I always said, you know, I want that for myself and my family when I have one. And, you know, in the absence of going to a high school like that, you can still see that in college. And there's a, and I would tell players all the time, you know, here in the Edgewood years or Ridgedale years the Sandy years, there's a world that goes on. You don't even have any concept of. And, And the, you know, go and see it and try to try to sneak your way into it the best you can. And, and you might get something out of it. So that's always been my advice. You, you're, you're, you can learn so much by just watching and being there.
1: Awesome. Well, John, I appreciate your time. It's uh, always great to reconnect with you and um, good luck in obviously the future endeavors and then, and, you know, obviously be in touch, but appreciate the advice and the, the candor. And it looks like you're still at work.
2: I am. I am. I I like to be here. You know, you you saw my role model coming up and and you could drive by that building on Tusk, you know, probably throughout the entire 1990s. And that bottom light right by the middle of the school was on. And, you know, I try to model that. So that's why
1: they put them in the basement. I get it. I get it now. I get it. I get it. Well, you know, it was great connecting with you. And, um, you know, if you ever need anything from our organization or we need anything from you, I'll definitely be in touch.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Thank you. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. let me stop this thing.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.